Hello and welcome to the podcast on Broadwater Parish in Worthing, a thriving Anglican church based in the parish of Broadwater, West Sussex in Worthing. We are one church across three sites and Christians have worshipped for over a thousand years at our church at St Mary's. This podcast features sermons from our services and interviews and other episodes and you can find out more by going to broadwaterparish.org.uk. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this most recent episode of the podcast. Today's reading is taken from Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 to 5. Naomi loses her husband and sons. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth that's contained in your word. And we want to pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and help us understand a bit more of the truth of what you want to say to us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's January the 7th, so I think I can still wish you a happy new year. Um, and we've, we've gone all a bit multimedia. Oh, there we go. I hope can you see stuff? Yes, that's all good. Um, so, I don't know if this is going to work. We'll, we'll give it a go, shall we? Uh, if nothing else, it'll give you something to watch while I'm just wittering on, so uh, maybe that's not such a bad thing. So, uh, I don't know about you, I'm not a great one for New Year's resolutions. Has, it, has anybody made any New Year's resolutions? Uh, one or two? And how are they going, can I ask? Badly? Yes, that, that's why. Sorry? Oh, no, oh, sorry. I, I just heard the badly. Not too badly. Well done. Good. Um, if you're anything like me, you're not. Yeah, th- these, these are all good things. Uh, I, I'm sure I should be less stressful, eat healthily, all those sort of things. I'm not terribly good at doing that, I have to confess. Um, but New Year is a time, isn't it, for us to take, take stock a little bit, time for reflection, look back at the past, think about things moving forward. And... In order to help us do that, sometimes we kind of need a bit of a, a sense of perspective. Uh, and one of the things that helps me get a bit of a sense of perspective is to think about the world in which we live. And in my, uh, one of my sort of social media feeds, I had this, this image came up recently. Um, if you could show the next slide. Right. Now this is from the James Webb telescope. And all those dots those tiny little blips of light, each one of those is not a star, it's a galaxy. 
And each galaxy probably contains about 100 to 200 billion stars. Those are big, big numbers. In fact, just to try and help you with the numbers, um, if you were to count to a million, how long do you think it would take you to count to a million? If, let's say you did one number a second. Any ideas? Some of you might know this. Sorry? Okay. Good answer. And what would that be then? <laughs> There's always one, isn't there? <laughs> no, I should know. No, I'm, I, I, I would be the same. I, I should know that. Right, in case you're wondering, it's about 11 and a half days. Okay, 11 and a half days. Although, interestingly, and I hesitate to toss out useless information because I know what will happen, is that the one thing you'll remember from today's sermon is the useless information I'm about to give you. What did you talk about? Oh, I don't know, but some did. Some bloke actually tried to count to a million, um, and it took him 89 days, consecutive days, counting for 16 hours a day. It's a long time. Right, how long do you think a billion seconds is? Let's, let's stop the counting, because that's not going to happen. A billion seconds, 32 years. 100 billion, 3,200 years. That's the number of stars in one of those dots there. We live in a big, big universe. We have a very, very big God. Now, let's bring it a little bit closer to home. So, next slide then. So, this is our galaxy, and we're all, you know, one of 100 billion. That's us there. Can you see that little spot there? That's, that's where we are. And let's make it a little bit, zoom in a little bit further. So, the next one. This is a very famous picture. I don't know if some of you may have seen this. It's called the pale blue dot. You might not think there's very much to it. That is our planet, where we are now, viewed from, I think, a distance of 4 billion miles. Tiny, tiny little cosmic speck of dust. It's incredible, isn't it? What an amazing... Why am I telling you all this? I, I don't know about you, but it makes me think of the scripture, Psalm 8. And Psalm 8 says this. If we can have the next slide. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I should have, should have my own copy, should I? I can't read that there. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. And yet... You have made them a little lower the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You see, we can feel so, so, so tiny, can't we, in such a, such a big, big world. And we think that God's so busy looking after the world. But the truth is, in spite of all this greatness and bigness, he is a personal God and he loves each and every one of us. And he cares about each and every one of us. He knows all that's going on in your life and my life. He's a great God, but he cares about the individual. Why am I saying that? Because we are looking at Ruth. And Ruth is a wonderful, wonderful story that talks about a personal God who gets involved in the lives of ordinary people, just like you, just like me. Yes, he's big. Yes, he created the heavens and the earth. But he's interested in ordinary, everyday life. Everyday people, just like you. And just like me. 
And I want to suggest, just give a, a brief overview. Ruth, there are, there are several themes, but I want to suggest there are two main themes that run through it. One is God's providence. That God is at work in the background, in the everyday, ordinary lives that we live. Now, we love God to intervene and to do the miraculous, and God is a God of the miraculous. But almost more miraculous than the miraculous is God's providence, God's working in the everyday choices and decisions that we make. Even when we can't see it. One of my favourite verses is Romans 8.28 that talks about, in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him. And the second is God's redemption. It's a love story. It's about a man from Bethlehem and he redeems a Gentile bride. That's a picture. You ever heard of another man from Bethlehem? man from Bethlehem, Jesus, who redeems a Gentile bride, the church, we're called to be the bride of Jesus Christ. And we are redeemed by his blood. It's a picture of God's providence and God's redemption. So let, let's get into it. There's a little bit of context, a little bit of background. It talks about in the days of Judges. Now, if you've read Judges, it's not a whole heap of fun, I'll be honest. It's, it's pretty grim. And over and over again, we see this, what we might call a sin cycle. Um, <laughs> sin cycle side would be good right now. Right. So what happened in the days of Judges is, that's brilliant, thank you, um, is that the people of Israel, they're pretty lawless days. God brought them into the promised land. He told them, this is how you should live. You know, these are my rules, regulations, how you should do it. If you do that, I'm going to bless you. But if you don't do that, if you go your own way, then you're going to end up in trouble. You're going to get attacked. There'll be difficulties, famines, all those sort of things. Time and time again, the people of Israel rebelled. They sinned. And as a consequence of their sin, they got into difficulties. There was suffering, famine, hardship. They were attacked by enemies. Until there came a point when they cried out to God for help. Supplication. God, will you help us? We're in a mess here. And God raised up a judge, a ruler, a deliverer, who would bring salvation. And there would be peace in the land for a while. And then guess what? It would happen all over again. They would rebel. They would sin, suffer, cry out to God, and God would raise up a judge. That's the whole picture of judges. The great thing about Ruth, the Ruth story is embedded within this time. It's a dark time. It's a grim and difficult time. So it gives me encouragement. We look at, I, I look at the world today. I thank you, Tony, for your prayers. It's tough, isn't it? We, we, you're right, we look to America, oh, that's not great, is it? We look at what's happening around the world. There are some challenging times and potentially dark times. But God is on the move. God is at work. Even in the darkest of times, even in the time of the judges, we are reading a story of where God is at work in the lives of his people. Maybe we don't see it, but God is at work. 
So there are many times, and many of us this year, I'm sure, will face difficulties. I know it's a big thing we say, Happy New Year. I hope it is happy. But we don't know. There will be difficulties and there are circumstances. And I don't know all the reasons for those. But one of the reasons, perhaps, I want to suggest that we have difficulties is that God is trying to get our attention. In Matthew 5, verse 3, it says, It's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love the message version. The message version simply says this. It says, You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Sometimes we go through difficulties because we're trying to fix it all, we're trying to sort it all by ourselves. And sometimes God just wants us to come and to reach out to him and say, God, I can't do this anymore. And that's where we're going to meet God. And God comes in by his spirit. And I don't know how he will change things or change us, but God will make a difference. It was Rick Warren who said this, is you never know that God is all you need until God is all you've got. So we're introduced to some characters. We're introduced to a guy called Elimelech. Names mean something in the Bible. I don't know if you know what your name means. But Elimelech means my God is king. It's a great name, isn't it? Every time everybody says, hey, Elimelech, they say, my God is king. My God is king. And he lives in a place called Bethlehem. We know Bethlehem, but do you know what Bethlehem means? Bethlehem means the house of bread. It was a fertile area. So in good times, that was where crops would grow and they would obviously be a home of bread. Interesting is it that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He was born in Bethlehem. Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. Good name, isn't it? Naomi. So they had great names. Not so sure about the boys. Um, Marlon means sickly. Strange name. Uh, and Killian means pining or sort of crying. Um, so sometimes I think in those days they used to name people based on circumstances of the birth. It could be that something you would aspire to. I don't think you'd aspire to being sickly. But perhaps he was a sickly child. Perhaps he was a sickly baby. They called him sickly. I don't know. Um, anyway, that's... Those are the characters that we're introduced to. Elimelech, my God is king, and Naomi. So I want to just break down sort of three points from this. So the first is simply this, that they and we are free to choose. They were facing difficulties and they made some choices. Now every day we have choices to make. Most of them are not particularly significant. You know, I, I, you know, what am I going to have for breakfast? You know, we don't need to be praying to God, should I have the shredded wheat this week or should I have the Weetabix? You know, th- there are some choices that you know, God will leave us to make by ourselves. I'm, I'm generally quite lucky, I think, for me um, in my job. I, I have kind of a school uniform. Uh, the biggest decision I have to generally work out is you know, what, what time am I going to wear today? It's not too tricky. Um, so, but some choices are more important than others. Uh, 
Sometimes we don't feel like we've got a choice, though, do we? We, we kind of feel, oh, no, I don't want to get up. The story is told of uh, a mother who was having trouble getting her son to get out of bed to go to school. He said, oh, I don't want to go to school. Uh, he said, give me two good reasons why I should get out of bed and go to school. And he said, well, number one, you're 47, and number two, you're the head teacher. <laughs> so I, I don't know if anybody can relate to that. I don't know. So we do have choices to make. And I want to suggest, some of them are trivial, yes, but a good choice to make at the beginning of a day is to decide that we're going to try and live for God, to go God's way. This is a a good prayer I saw the other day. I quite like this one. Uh, Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. I can relate to that. See, the truth is, things happen in our lives. And sometimes they're things that we would not choose. We can't necessarily choose the things that happen to us. What we can choose, what we are free to choose, is how we respond to the difficulties. Now, Elimelech is facing... Famine, he's hungry. He chooses how to respond. He chooses to go to Moab. He goes to a land that God's basically saying, this, this isn't really where you should be. I want you to stay here. So Elimelech, can't say the word, Elimelech, my God is king, who lives in the house of bread, instead of putting his trust in God and saying, I'm going to trust God to help me and meet me where I am in my hour of need, he decides he's going to find his own way to try and solve that problem. He has a legitimate need, no question about that, but he's trying to meet that need in an illegitimate way, in a way that God has not said we should try and do that. And it's a temptation we all face. It's a temptation Jesus faced. Remember in the desert, you know, he's there, he's fasted for 40 days. I love that little bit. It's the biggest understatement in the whole of the Bible, I would suggest. It says after 40 days, and Jesus was very hungry. Do you think? He was. 40 days without food. He's going to be hungry. And Satan says to him, look, here's these stones. Turn these stones into bread. Now, Jesus has a legitimate need. He's hungry. He needs to eat to sustain himself. And the temptation is to meet that need in an illegitimate way. But Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's how we are to live our lives, to meet those needs, to trust God, to put our faith and our hope in him. So, yes, we are free to choose. But choices have consequences. So, Elimelech made a choice. Now, how did that work out? If you read through the passage, we find that he moves to Moab and then he dies. That didn't work out so well, did it? So the two boys are in Moab and they marry Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. And again, God's word would pretty clearly say, no, you shouldn't associate with other people. You should stay within Israel. You should, you should not mix 
with other races, other lands. So they did things that they weren't supposed to do. And then after 10 years, guess what? The boys die. So it's, it's pretty grim. Isn't it? Consequences of those choices, pretty grim. And, and when I was looking at our reading, we finished there. The boys are dead. It's not good. I thought, oh, we can't leave it there, can we? And the, the wonderful thing in this story, so spoiler alert, I'm going to dip over into uh, other parts. So apologies if I step on anybody's toes who's coming after me. We're free to choose. Our choices have consequences. Now, it doesn't actually say that in this part of the scripture, but I want to suggest that underlying all of this, all of those bad choices and all those consequences, there is a but God. Two of the greatest words in the whole of scripture, I want to suggest to you, are but God. You know, we messed up. These guys have, I would suggest, made bad decisions, poor choices. They've got themselves into a mess. But God is still at work. And the wonderful thing is, there's a young woman, the Moabitess Ruth, and she makes a good choice. She makes a good choice. She says, I'm going to go with you, Naomi, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in your God. Your God will be my God. Where you go, I will go. Free to choose. Poor choices leading to bad consequences. But God, this is the gospel message. This is the good news. This is my story. This is our story. You see, we are free to choose. But we make poor choices. I've made poor choices. I've rebelled against God. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I have sinned. And poor choices lead to bad consequences. The Bible says that the wages of sin, my sin and your sin, is death. That's, that's pretty grim. It's a bad consequence. But God, one of my favourite verses, Romans 5, says at just the right time, Christ died for us. He died for sinners. Helpless sinners. When did God love you? Was it when you decided that you were going to follow him? When did he start loving you? Was it when you sort of, you've, you've been obedient and you've done... No, God loves you and God loves me when we were still sinners. At your very worst is when God loves you. But God. That's the wonderful truth of the Christian message is that we've messed up. We are helpless. But God steps in in the person of Jesus. And in all of this story we can see that God is at work. God is at work in the unseen things. And I know you've been having cycling around of various different things, perhaps. Um, but we come back to this verse, that in all these things, God is working together for good. So the boys, Elimelech and his sons, have made bad choices. But in spite of this, we're going to see that God can redeem, God can change, God can make things new. So because of Ruth, and we talked about God's providence, so they, they end up back in Bethlehem, 
at just the right time. And they end up whose field? In Boaz's field. And all of that comes to play that ultimately Ruth and Boaz, Boaz come together. They have a son. That son is an ancestor of David. David is an ancestor of Jesus. Isn't it wonderful that Ruth, a Gentile outsider from across the, you know, on the wrong side of the tracks, if you like, God brings her in to his family. And if you're here this morning, you're on the wrong side of the tracks. There's an invitation. God brings us in if we will choose to follow him and makes us part of the family. Ruth is an ancestor of Jesus. So to try and sum up, Ruth talks about providence and redemption. We're free to choose how we respond, but our choices have consequences. But even when we mess up, God can still turn around and work things together for good. So I said to you I'm not very good at resolutions. But I think I want to be a bit more like Ruth. This year I want to determine that I'm going to follow God. And scriptures finish with, I don't know if it's up there, but in Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't worry, I won't read it all, don't worry, but seek first the kingdom of God. So yes, I know I should probably eat less, move more, drink less caffeine. God knows, you know, I need help to be a better husband and a better father. But I want to simply say this, my goal for this year is simply to be more like Jesus, to trust him, to follow him, no matter what happens, because he's in control. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are in control. And although we live in this huge, great universe that you're sustaining, that you're interested in each and every one of us, that you love each and every one of us, and that you've got a plan and a purpose for us. And even when we mess up, you can still work things together for good. Not your perfect plan necessarily, but you can still achieve your purposes and work in us and through us and our circumstances. So we want to offer ourselves and offer you this year. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be more like you. Amen.